So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Hello. How are you? I'm good, mate. We had a very good guest on this week, didn't we? What an amazing guest. The feedback from Poppy Chancellor last week was absolutely phenomenal. Um, One of our most popular guests that we've had on of all time. Just people really resonating with the stuff that she was saying, opening up about her dad. And like, that was just such a great episode. If you haven't listened to that, I urge you to go back because Poppy steals the show in that. She's amazing. And then I just felt like while we were recording this episode, I just felt like, oh my God, we've got another winner on our hands. Yeah. Completely different, but yeah. like, but just amazing. Yeah, just someone who's just so on it. Like they know exactly what they need to be doing. Like she's been yeah, so she's successful. Yeah, she's the perfect case study for yeah. anyone who's thinking of opening that, like starting their own business. And it's so funny, like there were so many parallels in her story to our story. Yeah. And our businesses are completely different. Like you couldn't get more different. She yeah. sells donuts online. We paint walls. It's so different. But like, everything that she went through was exactly the same yeah Um, i think what i really loved about this episode is just learning how resourceful she's been like how thrifty she is like all of the things that she's done that aren't necessarily the most glamorous ways to do it but they get the job done and it's because of making those sacrifices it's got her to where she is today 100 percent. so when we did the tatty divine episode they were talking about how they said they'd be really scared to be starting in London now and whatever city you're you're based in just because of all prices going up on property and all of that sort of stuff. But Vicky really has proved with her business that you don't have to have huge financial backing. You've just got to be smart. Absolutely. I think a lot of people these days when they start businesses think, oh, I need to go and get an expensive office in a WeWork. I need to go and spend £400 on office chairs and get this like really swanky looking place. But you don't have to like you can start from your home like when we first started we were in a cold garage and our second office was just like a small little room in my chapel like it wasn't a big space at all it wasn't glamorous by by a long way one of the smartest things that she did was she went around looking at, at different bakery spaces realizing it was going to cost her a fortune and saying okay well i could do all of this from one bedroom flat yeah so investing, like she'd be spending that money anyway because you got you got to live somewhere. Yeah, and she then managed to basically have free premises for, and that's so crucial when you start up your business. So, yeah, just looking at different opportunities of the way that you can kind of hack things. Yeah, that was really smart because I know other people do this too with their businesses that when they're looking to rent a house, like somewhere to live, they'll think, okay, well, if I go a little bit above what I would have got if it was just for me, then I'll and I'll have extra space that I can basically run my business from then you can save so much money rather than having like one place to work, one place to have your business, like make it the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously selling online has completely revolutionized things for, for a lot of businesses. Yeah. And the fact that she's able to, she, there's no physical bakery that you can go to. Although obviously because she's grown over time, like now things like that are starting to come to fruition for her and yeah. they're opening their space in Covent Garden and stuff. But really her business is built off the back of selling online. Yeah. And going from working in your bedroom to opening a store in Covent Garden, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, multiple staff, like just off the back of selling donuts, it's it's really inspiring. So um, I think people are really going to enjoy this episode. We've also got uh, next Wednesday coming up a a big bonus um, episode that we recorded, a big deep dive. Yeah, that's really exciting, actually. The other day we recorded with our good friend Alex Manzi a good question and answer session. So Alex brought some questions that his audience have asked and we brought some of your guys' questions. We basically sat down together and kind of really like hashed them out, given all of our thoughts and opinions on what you guys should do. Yeah, I really I really loved that that conversation. The response we've had to, to putting out the bonus content has been really positive. So as well as these shows that launch on a Friday, we're going to try and put some stuff up on Wednesdays for you guys. So yeah, this coming Wednesday, massive Q&A. So I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing that episode. Um, we talked about some really important things like falling out of love with your passion and how to deal with haters online. There was yeah, some great questions. 
So yeah, if there's anything that is worrying you, if you have any creative concerns, like what is holding you back, tell us. DM us on Instagram at rebelscreate or drop us an email, connect at rebelscreate.com. So all that's coming up, but let's talk about this week's guest, Vicky Graham. Yes, Vicky is the founder of Vicky's Donuts. She started off with a side hustle that evolved into a hugely successful online donut delivery service. Her donuts are super creative, both in terms of flavors, but also with designs. She's made pizza donuts, rainbow donuts, heart-shaped donuts, Yoda donuts, and everything in between. Her donuts have been voted best tasting by Time Out. They've appeared on The Apprentice. They've been eaten by countless celebrities. And Vicky proves that you don't necessarily need business experience to make it. A clear vision and hard work can get you to the top. In this episode, we talk about being resourceful, making the world a nicer place and integrity. Never lose sight of what you want to be. Don't cheapen yourself by saying yes to things that you don't want to do. Keep your integrity and stick to it and don't feel like you should lose that just to pay the bills. Vicky. Hey. Hey. Thanks for doing our podcast. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. What time do you get out of bed in the morning? Oh, it varies. Um, sometimes it can be like three in the morning. Sometimes if I'm being extremely lazy, like 11, because I'm just trying to ignore everything that's going on. Yeah. But yeah, it, it really varies, which is something that I, I enjoy quite a lot. Um, like I've never really liked just having the same tasks to do like every single day. So... Yeah, I'm happy having a different, like, wake-up time in the morning. What time do you go to bed? Oh, so I'm a proper granny. I I love bed. Bed is, like, my favourite place in the world. Like, fresh sheets, fresh pyjamas, clean hair, like, is actually, like, my idea of just ecstasy. Yeah. So that is what I try to reach all all the time. Um, So, yeah, I'm normally in bed, like, nine, ten at the latest, yeah, same. It's like the, it's the curse of the, the baker, though, getting up early, isn't it? It is the curse of the baker. I mean, luckily, I've got a team behind me now, so it's not as bad as the old days. And then also, at the moment, we're we're not reading like any markets or pop-ups, so everything that we're doing is like a private order. Yeah. And everything we send out is at midday, so we don't have to be in the kitchen until like seven. But yeah, in the old days, it was it was really hard, man. Like I used to wake up at three. I'd do like a wholesale delivery about six and then I'd go back. This is all for like from like a one bed flat that I had as well. I'd go back home and then I'd do like some private orders that we had like for birthdays or weddings or whatever. I'd have a nap for like two hours after that. And then about four, I'd start getting back to all my emails. And yeah. It was slowly killing me. (laughs) That's when I decided to hire some staff. (laughs) What was it like hiring your first staff? It was really scary. Like I actually used to work in recruitment. And so I guess I kind of knew like the legalities behind it. But I think what I was really scared of was hiring the right people. Mm. The way that I saw it was that I wanted to hire people for the right values and teach them how to make donuts rather than hire people that happen to be able to know like how to make donuts who might not really care about like perfecting it or I don't know, like having the same kind of morals or values as like I want the business to have. Yeah. And what are the values of the business? I think integrity. So, I mean, for instance, we get asked a lot to do things that I would never want or name one. So I say no to a lot of it. Like always being proud of everything that you produce as well. So Um, what what kind of things would you get asked for? Like what's the weird donut request that you're getting? We, I don't know if I should say this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be like very roundabout about it. We got asked by a political party to make donuts for a conference once and the money was good and yeah, we could have done it. But there's just no way that I could have worked for someone like that. Whereas I'm sure like, you know, a bigger donut company would not know all of the details and they would just see it as another order number and they wouldn't look into that. But I think because we're still quite small, like we get to see the story behind it. I want to make sure that everyone 
that works for us and also that we work with feels valued. As well, just in terms of like dealing with customers, we want to make people happy. And I know it sounds like a bit naff and quite simple to do, but everyone that comes to us, I want to improve their day. I want yeah. them to leave happier than when they first came in. I think that sounds simple, but it's not always easy to do. I think making someone happy is actually really, really hard. Do you think? Yeah, I think like it's it sounds really easy, like just kind of like smile and stuff. But the amount of like restaurants and bars and places you'll go to to buy things where the staff aren't trained in that way. And they might have been told to in their training, but it doesn't come through and people just seem a bit kind of miserable, not really enjoying themselves. And I think a lot of places you leave and you don't feel happy, but when you do leave somewhere where someone's actually made that effort, it feels so like so Lush, good. for example. Like, have you ever been to a Lush? Yeah. Like, their staff are happy. They're happy to work there. They're happy to be there yeah. and it shines through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard to foster within your own staff. Like, come to a job and enjoy it. But like, if you can crack that nut, then you have people that are, that share your same vision, that you're all working towards the same thing together. And then that shines through and then customers pick up on that. And I think that's how you do it. I think you're totally right. And I think that, you know, you can just give someone a script to work on, but ultimately, you know, I think you can read through that. Everyone can read through that. Yeah, it's not authentic, is it? So you're going to be setting up in Covent Garden, right? Yeah, we are. So we're actually starting a new business because I don't have enough stuff to do at the moment. <laughs> so we are collaborating with Curb's own coffee company. So they're called Coffee Space. They do all of Curb's events um, and markets. Curb are opening up a space in Seven Dials mm-hmm. and it's going to be an amazing food hall. It, it looks amazing. Oh, it's going to be inside. Yeah, it's, it's all oh, indoors. Sure. So it's huge. It's in that old arcade in Seven Dials that, used to have a skate shop and a Kath Kidston inside yes, it. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I've been to that skate shop so many Me years too. ago. Yeah. I used to go when I was a student. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really weird, like, going there now and thinking, wow, like, 10 years ago, like, I used to get my snowboarding stuff yeah. in there. So we are opening that. We launch on the 7th of September. So, yeah, at the moment, there is lots to do. Luckily, Curve are helping with a lot of it because it's everyone's launch day. Yeah. They're being really great with all of the marketing and PR and operational stuff. So we, I say just, we like just have to hire staff and sort out new bank accounts and getting all of our equipment in and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's very busy at the moment, but it's really exciting and it's so fun to do as well. I just, I kind of wish that I could add like maybe like three hours to each day that we have. Like that would be amazing. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) So 7th of September, that's um, like when this airs, that'll be, that'll be very soon. Are you having like a launch party or anything like that? Yeah, we are. So Curb are are doing their own launch stuff. I do have the details of it, but I can't... Like, they're doing so much for it. It's K-E-R-B, right? The food? K-E-R-B, yeah. Yeah. But our official opening day is Saturday the 7th. Cool. Well, what can people expect? Lots of donuts? Will you be giving out, like, tasters or, like, what's the the plan? I don't know at the moment. (laughs) 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 It's one of those things where, like, we're kind of, like, working it all out still. But the plan generally is we are going to have lots of handmade donuts. There's going to be vegan stuff. There's going to be flavours that we've never done before. We well, are have you also... got any exclusive tip-ups as to what the flavours might be? Yeah, so we're actually doing savoury donuts. So we're doing this bagel donut, which sounds a bit gross, but it's not. So it's, you know, like everything bagels where they've got like the garlic onion and poppy yeah, seeds yeah. and stuff so it's that but a donut and then filled with cream cheese oh, so it's, instead of it being quite dense and squidgy instead it's like just really soft and fluffy instead yeah. it's really good the tasting session for it was pretty good because in, in your book you did like an eggs benedict one didn't you that was, yeah yeah so I would love to be able to do that, but we've only got a retail A1 license, so we can't cook on site. Uh, so I'm gutted. But yeah, otherwise we definitely would have done that. I was talking to one of my friends recently about doing a bacon sandwich donut. Yeah, I've done that or before. You've done, yeah. yeah, you've yeah. done that on the maple syrup and Canada Day once. I love how much you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your biggest fan, Vicky. You're your biggest fan. Um, you mentioned there 
tasting tasting sessions like have you got is it like close friends and family or do you just get randoms off the street like who tastes the donuts to to say like oh this is a flavor that we're going to go for you know what there is never a plan to it I will either take them to friends or just like random. So I did like this illustration course at the beginning of the year and I just used to go and take a load of donuts to them like in new flavours because they're all strangers and they would be honest about it. And I think my friends are kind of sick of donuts now. Um, (laughs) They're actually more excited about the coffee side of this opening rather than they are about the donuts. So yes, and I don't even plan it. I think... I think I just get an idea in my head. I buy the ingredients to test it. I just test it. And then whoever's around, I'll just give it to and say, be honest. What do you think? What could improve? Is it too salty? Is it too sweet? It's all very ad hoc. So why donuts? I get asked this quite a lot, as you would expect. So I think it's probably two things. My family used to live in Toronto in Canada. And when I used to go over there as a kid my auntie would always go and drop off my cousins at hockey practice. Mm. And then this would be at like five in the morning, like on a weekend. And then um, she'd come back with a box of Krispy Kremes or Tim Hortons. And so I'd wake up in the morning and just start eating donuts for breakfast, like off the top of the kitchen counter. And it was just like the best thing ever for a kid. And we just didn't have it like back in the UK. Like I'm from the Wirral originally. So, I mean, Krispy Kreme doesn't exist up there. And then I think the second, um, like, kind of part of how donuts started to exist, I really got into baking quite a lot when I was in my mid-20s. I think I was having, like, a, a quarter-life crisis and I didn't really want an office job anymore. And so I was trying to find things not only to engage my mind but also maybe like a kind of a backup plan that wasn't an office job anymore so I just used to bake all the time and I remember like getting obsessive over it and like on like a Thursday night like writing a list of all the things I was going to bake on a Saturday and then I got really into making bread and started making sourdough oh we can chat about this for hours amazing I make sourdough (laughs) and at that point I'd tried like loads of different cakes and then I tried making donuts and it was just really fun to make and really satisfying as well. Mm. Like in the same way that when you bake a loaf of bread, you are so proud of it because there's so many variables that go into making a good loaf of bread. Temperature, the amount of yeast, like whether you knead it properly. And so making that, first of all, with something that's sweet so you can like cover it in sugar like it's amazing and then second of all as well like the process of deep frying them is just really fun Mm. and they take like two minutes to cook as opposed to like half an hour in the oven so you can just eat them hot after two minutes and it's just like really like gratifying so yeah (laughs) so I kind of got hooked really and there wasn't really anyone doing American style donuts in London at that time and I just kind of thought oh I wonder if I could do this as like a side project and have a market sold on weekends and so that was my plan and um, I applied to like a few markets around where I lived in Hackney and then I got made redundant at my job and I was still going for interviews and stuff like when I wasn't working but I was doing donuts on the side and like had way more time to do it and then it got to a point where I was actually making money from doing donuts and I was like oh like maybe this could be like my job now Mm. so yeah and then four years later like I'm still here and it's kind of crazy how it's all happened. Have you ever done anything else beforehand like in terms of like running your own business or having a little thing on the side? Never no. How was that kind of going from someone who had no business experience to running your own thing? I mean, there's there's definitely like hard parts to it, but I think I love learning. Like, again, it sounds really enough. No, but we love learning. I, I'm definitely like, I, I kind of think that every, this is going to sound really enough. I kind of feel like every day that you're on this planet, you should learn something you should try and better yourself and make yourself a better person. And if you can make the world a nicer place, having your own business fits into that really well. It's such a great opportunity to put your ideas to use to create something that 
is totally yours that you have ultimate creative control over and um yeah taking it out into the world and making a difference so in those in those (laughs) early days like who was who was helping you who was advising you i had help from a charity in west london they were called joined up they're not around anymore actually but they were great. So they were a charity that helped unemployed women start their own food business. So I got a business advisor from that. She kind of taught me about like how to set up a bank account and how to process like all the money side of things. Um, she gave me advice on PR and how to market products. But How did that come about? Did you go looking for it or did you Kind of, actually. I went to this evening on street food. So it was like a networking event all about street food. So this would have been in like, I think, 2014. And there was a guy from, what's the National Catering Association? Is it the NCA? National Catering? Yeah, National Catering Association. And um, there was also the guy from Bad Brownie as well. And also there was like a, a girl from like a noodles like street food place and cass and cass that's it so yeah so they all did like a like a half hour talk and it was the grittiness of starting a street food business it was also the practicalities of starting a street food business so NCAS were talking about how to register with like your local council all that kind of stuff and i kind of like lived around the room and there were a lot of guys who were like, yeah, like I'm going to start a hot dog stand and it's going to be awesome. And I couldn't see a lot of girls and the girls that I could see um, and that I chatted to later, they were like, oh, like I've kind of got an idea for this, but like, I don't know if it's going to work. And I think the feminist in me was just like, fuck this shit. I'm going to fucking like fuck this shit out of this. Like <laughs> I'm going to be like one of these guys and just smash it. And I think after hearing everyone else talk about the success that they they'd achieved it was really inspirational and they didn't leave any of the grittiness out of it so it it felt like it was quite honest and they kind of provided the structure to like how to start your own business so yeah that was I think that was probably like the catalyst like of me thinking that it was a possible thing to do and yeah so I had like a few sessions with this business advisor um but then after that it was just me like me and Google and that was it. So what would your day-to-day look like at that time? I would probably wake up about three in the morning. Um, I would do all the wholesale stuff and I'd get all, all of our wholesale orders out and then I would come back and do some orders that people have made online. So you'd be delivering them yourself? Yeah, I used to deliver everything myself. I used to actually get the bus and deliver them no myself, way. yeah. And sometimes just ride my bike there as well, because like money was like hard. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, um, that's yeah same as us when we started. We did everything ourselves. Suitcases full of paint on the on the bus. Amazing. Yeah. You do what you can to make things work. I think the possibility of failure just doesn't even come into it when you're so enthusiastic about something. You you just have to make it work. And so if you don't have a lot of money, you find ways around it. So you've quit your job. You've now started this donut business. Are you still doing this kind of like as a, this might work, this might not, and then still looking for jobs? What was the point you kind of decided, no, this is what I'm doing full time? In all honesty, I can't remember. I think it must have actually been starting to work with brands who I really appreciated that wanted to work with me. So I started working with Topshop and with ASOS and I think when I got my first orders from them I was kind of like shit <laughs> like, shit son yeah <laughs> like, this is real this could be something like you know maybe like I'm doing all right and maybe maybe I found a um, like a space in the market for something new and there isn't really anyone else doing this and m- my friends and my family would so supportive and I think that that is huge when you're first starting out no one ever said to me like I'll be careful and you know it's all very well like doing this but like can you pay your rent like I've I've heard a few stories about people saying that luckily everyone around me was just like just go for it and 
yeah, I think that just kind of helped me make the decision to stop looking for other jobs from that point. Um, would you say that you learned anything in your in your day jobs that you had that were, oh, yeah. was useful coming forward? I learned loads and I was so, right. So yeah, in my early twenties, I kind of like went from job to job and I, I used to be quite anxious about the fact that I didn't really have a career. So I started Vicky Stonuts when I was 27. And up until that point, I'd had so many different jobs. So when I was, so I did a master's degree in media and cultural studies in Brighton. And then while I was doing that, I had a part-time job at the Apple store, which I loved and I miss even now. I I loved it. (laughs) And then I kind of worked my way up at Apple and that's how I ended up in recruitment. So I used to do contracts for new people and then ended up working in in their head office doing contracts for new people. And yeah, then, so after that, I worked for the National Theatre in HR. So we used to uh, look after like new people that had just started at the National Theatre. So like directors and like script writers and stuff. And then after that, I worked for a few like children's publishing companies and I ended up in marketing and I'm even boring myself talking about this, but yeah. And then I ended up working for a magazine publisher in marketing and yeah from each of those roles even though at the time I thought that I was just (laughs) I don't know just like really scatty and like I couldn't keep a job down I think I just wanted to do everything and now I'm in the position where I do do everything and I'm like this feels right and I feel like I mean I don't believe in fate but I kind of feel like every job that I have had in the past I'm so glad that I did it because Little things like there's no way that I would know about like people's right to work in the UK. And so when you take on new staff, you have to take a copy of their passport. And if they're not from the UK, you've got to get their visa information and input it and check it every two years and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, like I know that. And it's just it's because of like my old jobs. And yeah, especially my last job too. I worked for a food magazine in marketing. So I used to do our social media feeds and I used to do reader events. I used to do things like organize careers to like to send like props to, to photo shoots and we used to get a lot of press drops for deliveries and just doing stuff with Vicky's Donuts like we work so much with all of that stuff a lot of our business comes from companies wanting to do like a press drop of donuts to like launch their their new range of yeah. products or whatever so I know like what goes into that and like just little things like if the editorial assistant isn't around like you know who who it will go to instead and all of that kind of stuff like you kind of think outside the box which probably makes you better than your competitor so you were in a one bed flat and you're cooking in the flat still yes and I guess you've got all of your like signage all over the all over the flat and yeah and I can show you some pictures. <laughs> and I have seen some pictures, yeah. And then you'll you'll then be working in markets, just on market stalls selling. But then you started yeah. selling online as well, right? Yes. Yeah, so it was a few months after I first started out that I I kind of I I overtook my my flat that I was sharing with my friends. So I was sharing with two of my friends in this tiny flat in Dolston. The kitchen, like you could like you know touch the walls each side, and it was just getting really awkward because, you know, like they'd have friends over and it'd be three in the morning and I was coming downstairs, like ready to start baking and like, they'd still be up drinking wine. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, <laughs> like, those, yeah, this, this can't go on for much longer. They were great about it. And I used to apologize and they would always insist that I needed to stay for as long as I could. And um, they were really supportive about it and they loved the smell of like hot donuts in the morning and like to not apologize but I think ultimately as the orders got bigger and yeah the more space I needed I, I realized I had to do something and then yeah I tried to find a commercial kitchen and they're so difficult to find even now it's crazy how difficult it is and I think there is a problem, especially with Hackney Council. Like, I, don't get me wrong, like, Hackney Council have been great for a lot of things. And it's, it's probably just to do with property and shortages, like, not just for commercial premises, but also, like, residential too. But I've just always found it so difficult to find a place. And if you do find a place that looks right, you've, you realise that it's got the... 
is in the wrong category. Like it's either retail or yeah. it's like a restaurant, which it doesn't apply to us. So anyway, yeah. So I realized it was really difficult to find a commercial kitchen. And so I just thought, right, well, I can just find a one bed flat and do everything from there. So that's what I did. And yes, yeah, so in my one bed flat, it was one of those like fake kitchens that's, you know, when someone, when a landlord just puts a strip of a kitchen against the living room. Yeah. It was one of there's them. a shower next to it. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily there wasn't a shower. But yeah. <laughs> and so I got like two kitchen islands from Ikea and I made like a massive kitchen along one edge and then had like a tiny living room and like a desk next to it. And I put my gazebo like under the sofa for market sauce. Mm -hmm. I put all of our crates that we used to carry the donuts in like next to my TV and all of my packaging, I think was like stuffed on like some bookshelves. So yeah, so you were, you were literally living in it all of the time. And it was quite fun at first, like, cause it was quite thrifty cause I was only like paying yeah. one set of rent, but I definitely couldn't get away from work. Like, in terms of like my mental health, like it was really starting to go downhill because you could just like never escape from it. So I'd I'd find myself after a really long day, like just trying to watch TV, but like just peering over to the kitchen <laughs> and being like, oh, I should really make that dough for tomorrow. <laughs> or like, I don't know, I should really like make that glaze in time. So yeah, it was quite full on. And then also like, I just find a flower everywhere. Mm. Like even on like my, in my bedroom, I just like do do that on my windowsill and just get a flower like on my finger like, it's like yeah. glitter isn't it it's like it's like glitter yeah stalks you all all day it does so it seems to me that everything happened quite quickly like the success like the big orders started coming pretty quickly and would you say that was probably down to like instagram and the because you weren't just making donuts you're making pieces of art because they look so beautiful Aww. and people want to like, cause, cause what you've done that's so smart is you've made a product that people want to take a photo of, so they will share your work for you. So it kind of does, it's, it it's, does the marketing for yeah, you. It's a huge part of it. I never set out to do that, but I definitely realized that after about six months or so that that was an angle that I needed to explore more. So at markets, I made sure that we had our branding like in anywhere, in any place that it could be. And I got a special grease proof printed, like with our logo all over it. So when people did hold up a donut of ours, it would have to have our logo next to it. And then also I think another reason for that was because so many people were re reposting my stuff and then not tagging me in. And they still do it now and it drives me crazy. Like even Paris Hilton posted up a picture of mine like a couple of years ago. Yeah. And like didn't tag me in it. And you know, when something's been screenshotted like a million times, it yeah. just looks awful. Oh yeah. You're like, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, a first world problem. Like, yeah. So thank you. That's, that's really sweet. But yeah, no, I never set out to, to do that. I think I didn't really know exactly what our business model was going to be at the start. I, I kind guess, of, sorry, just to jump in, I guess oh, yeah. the reason why people do that, because it happens with our murals all the time. Yeah, and it must do. I think the reason is, is because we forget the reason that people are taking the photos is purely selfish for them. So it's like they want to look cool by standing in front of a piece of street art or by by holding a donut. And it's actually like, uh, like it's, a, it's a very small number of people that will actually realize that the artist has crafted something and actually yeah. tagged the maker. Yeah. And I think that's, I, I think it's, if you are a maker, then you realize how important it is. So you do tag. Yeah. Um, so probably like exactly. everyone listening to this podcast yeah. will be like, oh, well, I'm the sort of person that tags the artist because they're creative themselves. And so they know that that's kind of what they should do. But Joe, Joe Public, like they just think, oh, th my friends are going to love this. And they just take a photo with it. And then it's, that's it. And also, is there anything wrong with that? If you've created joy for no, someone... No, but it's frustrating. <laughs> it, I definitely get the frustration with, with not being recognised. But I think, well, it's a whole philosophical debate. If you've, if you've managed to stop someone on the street to the point where they want to take a picture of, of your work... I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is lovely. I mean, we've, so we've had, and I know you've had it too, like Panic at the Disco, like, oh, like yeah. posted one of our things, didn't tag us in it. So it's like, it's fine if it's someone who's like just, 
posting themselves with your art but when it's like someone who actually has a big audience that has the potential to really really help you just by tagging you and then they don't bother it's like because panic at the disco they know they are makers and they they've come from the bottom and they know that it's it's really helpful to be tagged so was it like a repost of something did they find was it your image so so yuri the lead singer was went and took a photo in front of one of our murals which is just next to this building in front of it so like basically like the photo was good because it had our artwork in the background if it was just a blank wall he wouldn't have taken a picture there so it's like and it says a name on the mural so it's like and then we painted a piece for them, yeah. um, which was like organised through their record label, which they then posted again and didn't tag us again. So it's like, yeah, but it just is what it is. The way I look at it now is more, it's a bonus when someone does tag you in it. Yeah, That's a good than, way to look at it. I definitely still get frustrated and I still don't know how exactly I want to deal with it because it does frustrate me a lot. Um, yeah, especially for like mega famous people don't tag you in something but I think it's because you feel like you've lost out on an opportunity because it kind of because you're like oh if that person posted that could be potentially like another thousand followers that could potentially buy my product and if that sells like three pounds each that's like three grand I could have made like I think you you quickly compute like what you've missed out on because they didn't do that and also they're only posting it for likes yeah but they're using your creations to do that I think that's the most frustrating thing about it I mean, I think that I was, I started out just at the right time for Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. I think Instagram four and a bit years ago, it wasn't huge. A few people had it, but it was, it was still kind of up and coming. And I wanted to make every single post on there a, a really nice picture. So it could kind of survive on its own instead of being part of, the grid like on the profile page and so I made sure with every single picture that I put on there there was good lighting and you know it was edited nicely and again I didn't do it for followers or like to make money or anything I just did it because it was mine and it was Mm. something that I could kind of be proud of and yeah from I think like from there that's how people started to find me because like people would find me on, on the explore page and yeah, people would tell me, so I'd get like random emails from people and I would say like 90% of them would start out like, Hey, I love your donuts. I found you on Instagram. Um, that was pretty much where everyone was coming mm. from. And yeah, like it's crazy, but like, it's, it's true. If Instagram didn't exist, I, I would not be sitting here right now. I yeah. wouldn't have a business. Crazy, isn't it? It's, yeah. So it really one thing is. I'm going to, I'm going to pick you up on there because you're not the first guest to have said this and I always disagree. I think if you started today... <laughs> do you reckon? Yeah, 100%. So I think if you started today with the content that you produce, four years from now, you'd be in exactly the same spot that you are now. Um, and I don't think it's the fact that you started at a magic time for Instagram. I really don't. It's Aww. the... Con- like, you have to give the content credibility. Like, it's down to the fact that you were making these images that people wanted to share and that, that hasn't changed. And no matter what the algorithms are for Instagram or how many users there are, if you're putting out content that people relate to and that they want to they want to see, you will be successful. Because I don't want anyone to listen to this and go, fuck, I missed the boat on Instagram. Mm. Like yeah. if you're making, like your donuts, you've made like, you've made ones that are pizzas in pizza boxes. You've made ones that look like Lego bricks. You've made like, you're just creative with them. You made every letter in the alphabet and put loads of words together with them. Like, you're just creative with them. It's 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 almost like how did no one ever do this before? Aww. Like before, do you know what I mean? Before 2019 or yeah. 15 when you started, like how did no one come along and realize like, oh, I don't have to just do a big circle. I can make them Easter eggs. I can make them rockets. <laughs> like whatever you want, you can make out of a donut. And you did that, and that worked, and that would work now. So whoever's listening to this, don't think you've missed the Instagram boat. Like if you're no, making, no, I, I wouldn't want to like put anyone off from. Yeah, I'm thinking that they've missed the vote on Instagram. Yeah, and you're not giving yourself enough credit. You're going like, oh, I was just lucky. You weren't lucky. You were making fucking cool images that people wanted to sh- to share. Oh, thank you. I said, yeah, I definitely struggle with like to take compliments. I think because I've ended up, I mean, like your, like your podcast is called like Creative Rebels. And I, before I started doing this, would never count myself as a creative. I worked in marketing before this and... I, I love design and I, I love illustration. 
I love photography, but it was always just kind of something that I did in the side of my job. And I would never have classified myself as a creative before. And so I've, I think now it's taken, even after like four and a bit years, I still suffer with imposter syndrome. And you guys giving me compliments, I'm like, nah. <laughs> like, it's just luck. Like, that's how I've ended up here. But it means a lot, though. So thank you. But it's not luck, though, is it? Like, come on, let's, let's, uh, let's deep not. dive on this. I definitely have to tell myself, yeah, like, maybe I've got a talent and maybe I've used it, like, to its full potential. Yeah. Because people make, you don't, like... There's no such thing as luck. Like, you make your own luck. Like, you put yourself in all these positions. You're up at 3am baking. You're the one who's put all this work and living in a bed sit, covered with stuff. Like, a lot of people wouldn't do that. Like, you've put so much effort into things that people wouldn't do. Like, people wouldn't be up at 3am while their mates are drinking. They'd be drinking. Like, you've sacrificed so much to get to where you are. And that's, like, that's where the luck's come from. The fact that you've put yourself in the positions where the luck can happen. And I come here every week. It's like therapy. <laughs> <laughs> My self-esteem is like off the charts right now. <laughs> and I just think like you need to realise that you're successful for a reason. It's not luck and like fate. It's you've put in so much hard work. You're ridiculously creative. You're very talented. And that's when. Where, and that's led to where you are now. Thank you. So yeah. where so when did the uh, when did the brand deals because like because I'm gonna stop you from feeling totally awkward. Now. No, <laughs> uh, I don't feel awkward. No, I love it. It's yeah. It's, I still find it really hard to accept. But thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. So the brand deals they started coming in quite early. Like, did you say six months in was when you got your first brand deal? Oh, so brand deals? No, brand deals. I think I got my first one after a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, so working with big companies, uh, like companies that I kind of, you know, really enjoy working with, that was just donor orders from them. So it'd be for, you know, like launches, press days or whatever. And would um, they be requesting like specific shapes and designs and stuff? Yeah, they would. So um, for ASOS, we did like lots of stuff at the influencer events. We did like mini donuts for for their press uh, previews. Topshop. Uh, I don't know how much I can get away with saying with the whole GDPR thing, but Topshop order a lot of stuff for like to say thank you to like their clients. You've worked with Universal Pictures. How did that come yeah. about? Yeah. Um, what would a Universal be? God, I can't remember the movie that now. Was, uh, it was something about pets. Is it Secret Life oh, of Pets? Oh, yeah. We did. We Yeah, we did Donuts for the Secret Life of Pets. How do you know all of this? <laughs> and um, so we did a workshop for some press and influences with them so we we took the the main character which was a cat voiced by kevin spacey no less and we turned that cat into a donut and then taught influencers and press how to <laughs> how to make them <laughs> oh, it's so quite surreal jokes that i can't make <laughs> right now let's move on from kevin spacey um so workshops have been um like quite a really big thing for you i guess like i'm yeah, really good in terms been. of brand building as well because you've done so them so good for brand building you've done them for adidas you've done them for lazy oaf like we have yeah yeah do you find them fun i guess I love them. I love doing workshops. I, I mean, they're a lot of work and the profit is hardly anything, but I, I really enjoy doing them. Ah, and so if the profit is not good enough, then charge the brands more that are getting you in. Oh, so we do. So okay. if, if a brand recruits us to do a workshop, like for their staff or for influence or whatever, we'll charge probably... Well, we'll we'll charge a, a fee to be there. Whereas if I'm selling tickets to the general public the to general do a public. workshop, okay, then for sure. yeah. we'll hardly make any money from yeah, that. But it is us. about building the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, workshops have have done a lot f- for us uh, f- for the for the company. So, I mean, I think everyone, well, not everyone, but most people that come to a workshop, they tend to enjoy it, which is the the best thing. But I think. They get to see a lot more behind the brand. They get to meet the person behind the brand. It's not just an Instagram account that they might follow anymore. Like they, they get to see all of the icings and what's in the icings and they just get to have fun with their mates, like with a free glass of wine. Um, what does and it's a donut workshop look like? A donut workshop. So the, we do decorating workshops mostly. So they'll 
get like different shapes already like pre-made and then we'll do like a bunch of icings and sprinkles and toppings and fillings and I'll teach them the basic do, do they get to fill them themselves yeah they do I'm yeah. definitely coming to this then, so yeah so I teach them the basic like technical stuff of like how to fill a piping bag up and like how to do like a straight line of pipe dicing how to dip a donut in glaze which like Really, I think it's actually the, like the most difficult thing to do. But I think because I do it like every day, like I know yeah. exactly what I'm doing. And then people are like, it's so difficult. And I guess it is quite difficult, but yeah. And then, yeah. So once I teach them all of the technicalities of exactly what to do, they can just go for it, which I think is actually the most important thing. I think mm. it would really suck if you went to a workshop and <laughs> some person was just like, you have to do this. And like step number two is this. And if it doesn't look like this at the end of it, then you have failed. It's like, I don't want it to be like that. I think it should just be like... I think it's a really nice representation of how creative your brand is. Like, it allows you to kind of come and be creative. Like, if it wasn't that, that would just feel like that wouldn't be you. Yeah. So we do graffiti workshops um, and we do like a lot of corporate team building. And sometimes, like it's rare, but sometimes you'll you'll get a brand who will say this is what we want our staff to paint and they'll dictate the the message that they want their staff to paint or, or but that's crazy it's like, awful yeah. and it never works they just put them around the office and like just it never <laughs> use works them because, as like slaves to do art they're there they and they're just like we like that's not why I want to paint and you have to give them complete freedom to paint yeah. whatever they want I totally agree um, otherwise the workshop really doesn't so whenever we've been asked that we've been like strongly advised against it it's like yeah. we can like we can make some stencils and like you can have your like always keep closing or whatever your message is that you want your staff to to get out of it you can put it on a stencil or something we can incorporate it in but like really you've got to give them the freedom to do whatever artwork they want because otherwise you're just crushing their creativity like you can't tell someone how to like i think that's why art class didn't work very well for me because it's like this is what you have to do me too yeah i the last time i ever studied art or design was at a level and i hated it because it's it's someone putting in boxes what they think is a creative thing that you have i hated it i think we should definitely do a workshop with you because that does cool. sound super <laughs> fun I definitely, yeah we should do a creative rebels one and we'll get our listeners down and, and we'll i'm actually i was setting one up in the new site in seven dials so i'll invite you guys oh wicked yeah that'd be great. To, yeah that'd be ace cool, cool. <laughs> amazing um, so you got some donuts on the apprentice as well i did yeah and I wouldn't shut up about it because it's my favourite TV programme in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, we interviewed... amazing. <laughs> we interviewed Camilla, who was on the most most recent episode and she um she really botched the donut challenge didn't she by putting tea I leaves. I don't remember her She put tea it. leaves on top of it. Oh, did she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 yeah no one has a tea awful. leaf in their mouth, do yeah. they? Yeah. No. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, so I actually... Oh, so... Oh, it was like the most exciting phone call of my life. So there was this one Friday, Friday afternoon. Was it Alan? And no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like for two million pounds. Oh, come on. Um, so we finished early in the kitchen at like two o'clock on a Friday, and we've got a roof terrace in our studio building where our kitchen is. And so we all like started on the prosecco and got like quite tipsy. And then I get this phone call from this production company at like five o'clock in the evening on that night. And the title is just really ominous. It's it's the title of the email is BBC Business Programme. And I told my colleague Kim and she was like, oh, they just want free donuts. Like tell them to sod off because we get so many requests <laughs> yeah, for free yeah, stuff. So, but you know, like never, <laughs> me like never wanting to miss a PR opportunity. I was like, no, I'm going to email them back. And so anyway, afterwards he set up a call and after me doing like a bit of research into the company on their website, I found out that they produce The Apprentice. And so when I was waiting for the producer to call me, I had in the back of my mind, it could be that, but I wasn't getting my hopes up. But yeah, it it was. And I screamed. um, (laughs) And yeah, so they just asked us to produce donuts that would be like, this is like to the, to the teams, this is what you could produce. Mm-hmm. So it depends what avenue you want to go down, but this is like an example of what you could do. So they just asked us to do a bunch of letter donuts for them. And then I think one of the groups decided to do letter donuts, but they didn't turn out very good. Yeah. 
That's such a, a <laughs> like seal of approval, though, isn't it? Like, oh man, yeah. Being held up as like, now this is how you do it properly, and they it's your product. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, though, they they did get like Crosstown in, and they I think they got Donut Time in as well, because I, I saw some donuts lying around like on the the uh, the boardroom table. But I think it's only, I think they probably would have just like gone to the shop that morning and picked them up. But because yeah, yeah, we yeah, yeah. only do pre-orders, I knew the whole backstory behind it, which is why I got so excited. <laughs> so actually it wasn't really a big deal <laughs> because they got loads of other donuts too, but I just made a massive deal out of it. <laughs> that's what that's what you have to do. Like that's what we've done throughout the whole of our business is whenever something like that happens, it's, it's maximise the opportunity. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's something to shout about, something to be proud of. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And I get in touch with the producer and then she invited me to go to the final in City Hall. So they film it weeks, in fact, months in advance. And so like this one like Sunday in June, me and Kim, who I work with, we, yeah, we got to go and sit in City Hall and just watch the final of The Apprentice. It was amazing. That's, that's crazy, the fact that you're now our third guest who's in that room. Seriously? Yeah. Who else? Rhiannon Lambert was on the judging panel oh, in that room. Was she? What? Yeah. She, what did she do? She was one of the, she's a nutritionist. She was one of the foodie yeah. people who were like talking about Camilla's stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, getting it's a bit the, weird now, isn't it? Yeah. It I like also... Up I, saw, um, I saw someone called Rosie who... She founded London Fashion Agency and it was her wedding the Saturday after and she'd ordered donuts for her wedding from us and I saw her on the panel yeah. and she was on the panel for Sean and I was like, Rosie, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was full of independent businesses, I think. Probably end up having her on the show, so... <laughs> yeah. You guys should go. It's, it was so much fun. And then... Because Camilla told us about how they they record both endings. So they record them yeah. saying like, well, you're hired, you're fired. Yeah, I've heard about that, but we didn't get to see any of that. Oh, right. We just saw their pictures. I think the most like interesting thing about it, well, not the most interesting, but I think the thing that everyone kind of was surprised at. So in City Hall... The, when you're sitting in like the main room where like the mayor like does all of his like presentations. Mayoring. All of his mayoring. <laughs> there's like this spiral walk down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like, we painted in there. Yeah. What would you call it? Like this like, walk. I definitely painted in there. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. a live art job years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a long spiral ramp, Spir- isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so they started at the very top. And then they had to walk down knowing that there were hundreds of people like waiting for them to hear their pitch in the final of The Apprentice. And I think it it must have taken like three minutes to get down. And they're both wearing heels. And so like already the tension was building so much and I really felt for them. But yeah, it was so much fun. That's ace. What would you say have been the sort of challenges um, in your business? Because like it's not been easy getting to the stage that you're at. No, there's... There's been a lot of challenges. I think probably number one is looking after yourself. Like when I first started out, I would cancel on my friends quite a lot because, I mean, like things come up totally randomly and you've never had to deal with anything like this before where like it's just you that's in control. You don't have a boss that you can go to for help. You don't have any colleagues that can help you out. It's just you and it's your name on the line. And so you definitely end up becoming like a bit of a hermit and that can kind of spiral out of control. And I, I think that's just a process you have to go through. Either when you start hiring staff, you can kind of get yourself out of it. But ultimately, it's just something I think that everyone, when they start their own business, goes through. And then I think as part of that is, yeah, mental health as well. You know, like when you don't look after yourself. Well, yeah, like I've, I've suffered with anxiety had really like bad cases of like feeling down quite a lot definitely like times as well when like everything will be going really really well but I'll just be thinking like why am I not happy (laughs) like I've got money in the bank and like I'm you know doing great things and like we're working with great people but like I'm just not happy right now and yeah like there's not really anyone again that you can kind of go to like I've never been a boss before like this is the first time that I've ever been a boss and it's difficult having to kind of work it all out yourself 
so, so, many, you, so many struggles. Like, <laughs> how do you get out? Of, how do you get out of that space if you're if you are feeling negative? I think make yourself have a day off. Actually, I think it can be all-consuming. I don't know. I think everyone's different. I think for me, I struggle to have a day off because there's always something that I can be doing. Mm -hmm. And especially when I did everything from home as well, just being reminded, like just having, you know, like my kitchen right there where I did, where I made everything. It's just like a, you should be working. You should be working like in the back of your head. And even now, like when I try to have a day off, you know, I'll, I'll just see my Mac lying around and I'll pick it up and I'll start updating the website or, you know, I think about some new recipes that I could start testing. And I think you just have to stop yourself from doing that and just go out for a walk and yeah, just get out of that headspace, I think. Um, and also I think like finding other people that are in the same position as you. Luckily in London and especially in food, there's a really nice close-knit community of people mm. and you know whether it's something quite menial like you run out of packaging and you're freaking out about it you can just call on them and like they'll give you a hand or if it's like you know what like I've had a really shit day like I've had a horrible customer and I don't know how to deal with it and I had no sleep last night and I've got a million things to do and it's like 10 o'clock at night yeah there's always people who have gone through that themselves mm -hmm. who are there to listen to you so yeah it's it, I, I think it's something that unfortunately just goes with starting a business and I don't think I know anyone that's got their own business that hasn't gone through all of that stuff and who yeah. still struggles with it if someone was starting a business now how would you recommend that they find people to to have those like connections? that's a really good question actually for me it's been Instagram yeah like kind of having Instagram buddies, mm -hmm. even like, yeah, I, I'd say like the kind of the people that I return to now for advice on stuff which are people that I've just happened to like DM on Instagram, which is crazy. Like yeah, even I've, say that out loud, it's so, weird, isn't it? I've got so many friends now that I've just, from DMing them on Instagram, yeah. I'm now good friends with them. It's yeah. crazy. How great is that though? It's really just, cool. It just means that anyone who's feeling alone or without a support system, it's like, it's at the touch of your fingers. It's mm. just on an app. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I, know, I feel like Instagram gets a lot, so much bad press, but it does bring so much like value to people's yeah. lives as well. And especially for that kind of like emotional side, like, yeah, I've got friends who I've met on Instagram who I've had like really good deep chats with about like deep issues and like it's nice to have people who are going through the same kind of things who've been through the same kind of things yeah well, there are humans there aren't there yeah so there's going to be great ones there there's going to be shit ones also mm -hmm. and and like uh, marine tangai said in her episode you can curate your feed to be as inspirational and yeah, yeah. and as like uplifting as, as you like or you can watch cnn or things about trump or whatever and you can get yourself really depressed when you look through your feed it's like yeah curate it make it like surround yourself and, and just DM people who you think are going to bring you joy and that you can bring joy to them and yeah, do that. Yeah, but it's definitely such a good way to get connected with people who have the same interests as you. I, I don't really think that, you know, if, I don't think if Instagram didn't exist, well, sorry, I think if Instagram didn't exist, then it would, it would definitely be much more difficult to find those kinds of people out there. Mm. It does make it super easy. Yeah. What advice would you give to your younger self if, when you were just starting out? I would say be more confident, believe in yourself more, be prepared to work a lot and not have very much sleep and never lose sight of what you want to be. Don't cheapen yourself by saying yes to things that you don't want to do. Keep your integrity and stick to it and don't feel like you should lose that just to pay the bills that's all you need yeah. I literally that's all you need <laughs> so vicky where can people find you online online at vickysdonuts.com oh, and on instagram <laughs> yeah so on instagram is at vickysdonuts so vicky is v-i-c-k-y-s and then donuts is the i wouldn't say american fellow, but it's not it's just a shortened version it's d-o-n-u-t-s so at vicky's donuts awesome thank you for coming thank on thank you show. so much thank you
Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya.